Hi everyone, it's Jen DeWall. And on today's episode of The Leadership Habit, we are going to present to you a recent webinar that we did all about how you can become a more agile leader and how you can make a more agile team. Agile is not just a term that is left to people in the software world. There are plenty of leaders now that could benefit from many of the strategies that exist within Agile. So stay tuned to this webinar as I share with you some introductory knowledge into Agile. I mean, introductory. Well, we want to give you the basics, right? Enjoy. Good morning. Good morning. Good afternoon, depending on where you're joining. It's 10 or it's almost 10 o'clock here in Colorado. I see a few people logging on. So excited to just talk about some basic principles from Agile today and thinking about how we can, we as leaders can potentially adopt these characteristics and even just take nuggets to help our team be more efficient, to help our team be more productive, to ensure that our team is focusing on the right things that are actually going to give us the results. I mean, I know that I've worked on teams before where it felt like we didn't have a clear sense of direction or we were trying to do too much that we are burning ourselves out. That is something that we want to talk about. And yeah, David, Rob and I am early. I am four minutes early. I just, I mean, I wish I could see everyone's smiling faces. Um, Maybe for the people that are on, even just throwing out, uh, of course, always say where you're calling in or logged in from. And then Two, what are you hoping to gain out of this? What do you, why did you want to attend an agile leadership webinar? What were you hoping to maybe bring into your leadership skills or a toolkit? How did you, how do you want to be maybe more agile? But go ahead and throw in the chat just to start off where you're from. Um, just go throw ahead. Oh, Shelly. Hey, Shelly. It's great to see you. I love seeing names of people that I know. Mr. Dave, David Brotman, I know, is joining us from New Jersey. I am in. Denver, Colorado. I'm going to move my mic around and hope that that helps a little bit. Um, But yeah, go ahead and throw in the chat. Tell me where you're from. Where are you from? Where in the world are all of our people joining us for our CrossCom monthly webinar? And this one is how to apply agile principles to any organization. And we're going to be walking through just different ways to consider agile. What can we really do? Now, agile isn't a one-size-fits-all approach. There are actually multiple methodologies within the world of agile. So know that what we're going to cover today is very introductory. It's something just to give you a high-level perspective and view of the objective of Agile, why Agile even came to be. Oh, I love it. We've got Toronto, Thornberry, Ontario. I know, Shelly, yes, yes, yes. I'm so happy that you're joining us. Where else is everyone from? We have, we've got Canadians and we've got someone from New Jersey, but I think there's a few other people on here that might be from other places. Maine. Oh my gosh. I bet Maine is so beautiful right now with all of the fall colors. Detroit. Hey, I'm from Wisconsin originally. I will absolutely take that, Kayla. I'm so glad that you're here. For those that have never been on a webinar before, I'm Jen DeWall and I I lead our monthly webinars for Crestcom and I'm just so excited to share a different skill set. We always cover a variety of topics in our webinars. This month, we are talking about Agile. Last month, we did an interview and talked about AI and what that looks like in the future of leadership. And next month, we're actually going to be talking about emotional intelligence, So, which is something that I think ties really well to Agile. To be an Agile leader, it really does require you to have high emotional intelligence because you need to be able to see that big picture, connect the dots, motivate people, 
and communicate with them in different ways based on their personality, experience, and insight. Agile and emotional intelligence go together hand in hand. So I hope that if you come to this one, that you also attend next month to figure out how you can actually build those together. So we're going to get started promptly at 10 a.m. Mountain Time. We've got one more minute to go. Feel free for those that are still joining, if you want to just drop in again, where you're joining us from, also what you're hoping to get, or maybe even your favorite thing about fall, because I love that too. I mean, I can think about all the things that I love in Denver as the colors are changing. I'm going to go ahead and get started. So you're joining us today to talk about how to apply agile principles to any organization. And what you may or may not realize is that as a result of the pandemic and the abrupt shift that we all had to make as business leaders to either change our processes to work in a remote world, to change how our team interacts in a remote world. Much of what we did to quickly adapt to the changing circumstance and the environment that was created by the pandemic are actually rooted in agile, whether you realize it not, realize it or not. And it's really all about the characteristics. But why agile? Why are we doing a topic on agile? Why is that important? Well, we can probably think about our day-to-day and what you could likely think of if I said, are there any things that you do in a day for work that Maybe you don't feel like bring as much value or aren't as productive because if you have an agile mindset, you are going to look at those things and really question, are they worth it? Because there are some things like meetings, for example, I called this meeting and it's not a meeting until someone's time gets wasted. What? Uh, But how many of you have actually sat into a meeting and been like, I don't even know I'm here. I have so much stuff to do. This isn't productive. I'm not even a part of this, right? Agile is all about figuring out, do our meetings make sense? Does the format of them need to change? How can we modify our process to make sure that people are maximizing their time? We want them to be as productive as they can. So not all meetings are going to be the same. And then, of course, this. Please read the attached email about the email that I sent yesterday referring to the previous email about flooding the system with unnecessary emails. Please forward this email to your entire staff. How many of you have an inbox that has way too many emails that may or may not be relevant or productive? I'm guessing many of you do. And every time that you check some of those emails, it's causing a lag in your ability or in your productivity. Multitasking is actually kind of the opposite of what Agile would want you to do. So our goal today is to think about how can we look at our processes to make improvements so we can be more efficient, more productive, more successful. The important thing is not your process. The important thing is your process for improving your process. Not a lot of organizations and teams have processes for improving their process because they think that, hey, we did this once and it worked really well. Let's just keep, you know, why try to recreate the wheel? Well, sometimes you got to recreate it. As we saw as a result of the pandemic, things shifted so drastically that it forced our hands to make changes. However, we should start to think, hey, our process must have been great yesterday, but it doesn't mean it's right today. And so we need to have processes for thinking, what should we do? Is this worth it? How can we evolve? What can we get rid of? And how do we want to move forward? My name is Jen DeWall, and I'm a leadership development strategist for Crosscom. And all that means is I help to build our leadership classes. And I also facilitate our monthly leadership development classes. But so do many people around the world. As if you don't know much about Crosscom, we're a global leadership development organization. We operate in over 60 countries. And our goal is to develop managers into leaders. 
And we do that just based on providing them with the skills and their leadership toolkit to be as effective as possible. And that's what we're doing today. We offer these free monthly webinars because we want to help develop leaders. We know that leadership is one of the places that when we develop great leaders, not only are they going to be happier themselves, they'll be happier employees, better performing organizations. And then there's a ripple effect into the community, into the world. So I am so excited to have you here today. And we're going to talk about three things. We're going to understand what it means to be an agile leader, because it will require us to kind of remove that traditional leadership or maybe that task-oriented mindset that we had. And to think about how can we show up in a different way to help agile or to build a more agile team. And then we're going to describe the key components of the Agile Manifesto. The Agile Manifesto is essentially the working document that was recreated, what that was created by a group of software developers. And it's essentially their rules or their guidance for how to go about incorporating Agile. And last, we're going to explain the best way to create an Agile team. So what does it mean to be an Agile leader? How are you an Agile leader? Well, Agile leaders at the start are those who can adapt to ever-changing and uncertain environments. So if you found yourself having to move around, quickly figure things out, and just pivoted very quickly, you likely have a lot of characteristics of Agile, and you may not even know it because we often just think, oh, Agile. Well, first and foremost, I can tell you that I've had a conversation with friends, and when I brought up Agile, they basically looked at me like, what is Agile? I've never heard of that before. Is that a new language? What are these terms? For many of us, we haven't had the exposure with Agile. We've left that in the tech world. That's for software developers. But really, there are so many characteristics that come from Agile that can be relevant to you no matter what industry you were. Uh, Agile methods were first developed in the tech industry to increase success rates in software development and move new products to market quickly and efficiently. So when these Agile principles were created, it was really to help design better products that met the customer needs in the ways that they wanted them to be. So the Agile Manifesto, this is something that created was created in 2001 by a group of 17 software developers, and they came together because they wanted to change the way that they addressed how they created their apps, what they were doing, and they came together to create the Agile, the Agile Manifesto to solve kind of two key opportunities, and they are this, to shorten the delay of benefits to users to resolve product market fit and development graveyard issues. So what that essentially means is we're just trying to make sure that we're getting that real time, that feedback, we're making changes. We want to be able to adjust to what people need. Think about if you took something from your staff and you found out that something wasn't working and then immediately addressed it, how much happier they would be. The other objective, get feedback from users quicker and more frequently to confirm the usefulness of new products and continue to improve them. Agile. That means you can no longer, if you are truly trying to be an agile leader, you can't practice the set and forget. Like, hey, we did this in a meeting. We walked through this. It's so great. Oh, now it goes to launch. Now we don't need to think about it again. No, you can't. If you think about even the iteration of an app itself, they might create an app, but based on user feedback, based on how the app is performing, they make modifications and enhancements. And we should be looking at that with our team. Why just see that feedback and know that something's not working and then just say, well, but I guess there's red tape. It was created like that. So we should probably keep it. That's not going to help anyone. And it's likely going to create more disengagement. But the Agile Manifesto is founded around or formed around four core values. These values are as follows. First core value, individuals and interactions over processes and tools. Now you can think about this in the sense of 
Think about being at an organization that's like, we need to have the best software or the best technology or the best of this. You can have the best of everything, but if you don't have the right people to leverage it, you're not likely going to see those outcomes that you envision in your head. So you have to prioritize the individuals and interactions over the processes and tools. The the second core value of the Agile Manifesto is working product over comprehensive documentation. Now, this one came to be because before they would actually launch a product, what they would do is they would document, they would work through all of the, hey, this needs to be done. This is, yep, we need to do that. This is a consideration. And they would essentially market out this whole plan without necessarily taking action. And you're building it on a lot of your own gut feeling or instincts, which may or may not be appropriate. And so when we think about the core values, it's a working product. We're trying to eliminate the red tape. We're trying to eliminate the bureaucracy and actually get to designing and creating something instead of wasting our time just only planning it. Number three, customer collaboration over contract negotiation. Our goal, if we're truly agile, is to serve our customers to the best of our ability. And we can all think of our customers, and we teach this at Crestcom, in two ways. We have internal customers. Those are our employees. Those are the ones that we want to keep happy because what's felt on the inside of your organization is then felt by your external customer on the outside. And your external customer, of course, being that individual that's investing in your products or services. So if we truly are agile, we're trying to think about how can we create the best experience for the customers that we serve. And the fourth principle is responding to change over following a plan. Did some of you just kind of cringe a little bit? What? I I mean, we had this plan. This plan looked great. Think about how 2020 would have actually ended up if we said, nope. In January, you know, or actually in our strategy meetings for the year, we planned this and we're going to stay the course because we had that. How would, how effective would that plan be today? I'm guessing that everyone on here had a disruption to their business. And the great thing about agile is it does help you become a better, or I guess helping you just embrace change, knowing that change isn't necessarily bad, that we have to change if we want to stay competitive or respond to market conditions. But agile just requires you as a leader to get a little bit more comfortable being uncomfortable. So what is the agile manifesto? Well, there's 12 principles within it, and I'm going to review all 12 of them, starting in four. So the first one, the highest priority is to satisfy the customer through early and continuous delivery of a valuable product. So that means that we don't have to wait until it goes through all these review cycles. We don't have to wait until we have all these meetings to be able to bring something to launch. The key is we're starting. And then when we start, we're gathering real-time feedback. We're listening to people. What are they saying? What's working? What's not working? How many of you have been a part of something where you don't even think about that? You're like, well, we we had this plan, so we're going to follow through it. If you were following the agile manifesto, your highest priority is to satisfy your customer. Second, welcome changing requirements, even late in development. What does this mean for you as a leader? If you find that at the end of a project or you have a strategy and you're going all the way through and you might love it, but you're starting to get some feedback that, "Eh, I don't know if this is going to work. We might have to adapt in a different way. We might have to change. Even though you might be at the end, you still need to change. Agile says we're not just going to keep pushing something even when we know that it doesn't work. We want to make sure we're putting the right things through and that people are focusing on the right things. 
Number three, develop working products more frequently. We want to be able to get feedback on them. We want to, instead of just thinking about things in theories of like, that could work, that could work. We want to actually deliver and do that more frequently so we can get the feedback to make things better. And of course, collaboration between business stakeholders and developers. Now, Agile is all about what I would like to say is that together we rise. How can we learn from each other? How can we partner with each other? How can we all come together to solve a challenge to be better? Number five, build projects around motivated individuals and give them the support that they need. This means you want to choose the right people on your team and you want to then give them the right tasks and the right resources for them to be able to accomplish what you need them to accomplish. Now, a lot of agile requires you to be a little bit more hands-off as a leader, which can feel a little uncomfortable. However, if you think about this, if you were a leader, especially a servant-based leader, and you delegated something to someone, you gave them all the support that they needed and said, here's my outcome. This is my afters. This is the final. This is what success looks like. Now go and make this happen. And then they were able to use their own strategic thinking, critical thinking skills, decision-making to make that happen. That creates a happier employee. And the most effective and efficient, this is from the 12 principles, the most effective and efficient communication within a development team is face-to-face conversation. We can't just send everything over email and think that we're going to get a great result. Why? All of us have email overload to some extent, and not all emails are a priority. If you have an important message, you need to have everyone come together face-to-face. Now, face-to-face, for many of us, could still be in a remote setting. And in that sense, I would still recommend Have everyone turn their cameras on. Have them join in for the dialogue. You want to have eyes on your people. When you have eyes on your people in those meetings, you can look at their visual cues. Does it look like they're confused? Does it look like they're confident in what you're saying? You lose all of that. And those are opportunities to think about, are we getting it right? Do we need to change a process? So really embracing the face-to-face conversation. And a working product is the primary measure of success. What is the effectiveness of our product? How well is it working? What adjustments are we making? That is how we determine whether or not we're successful. It's not just, hey, well, we we put that product out there or we accomplished that goal or we made that process and set and forget. No, it needs to be functional. Number eight, agile processes promote sustainable development. Teams and users should be able to maintain a consistent pace. Now, this is really important when you think about the bureaucracy or red tape that can sometimes come up in organizations. These might delay the ability for your teams and or any in any individual or your customer to engage or to do what they need what they need to do to be successful. So wanting to think about sustainable development, how can we make sure that people can be as productive as they can be? Number nine, continuous attention to excellence and good design will enhance your agility. Again, you cannot go for a set and forget with agile principles if you're, if you're incorporating them. You need to determine ways that you're evaluating. How is it working? How can we continue to make it better? Instead of just saying, yeah, that didn't work, but I guess like we'll probably get to that one. I know I've worked at organizations where we know that, let's say there's a leak in the tire and the tire could go flat, but we're like, let's just patch it for now. No, fix the tire. Number 10, simplicity is essential. Think about it. If you're even giving communication to someone and then it starts to become very overwhelming to someone, 
people are not going to pull out what you need them to pull out. If you're truly agile, things should be simple. They should be easy to understand. Your problem should be easily framed. Thinking about trying to identify your problem in, let's say, one or two sentences versus having to give you a brief summary to try and describe it. You want to try and make things as simple as possible. And the best requirements and designs emerge from self-organizing teams. Allow the teams to come to their conclusions. Allow the teams to come up with their strategies. Allow others to be the best that they can be. And finally, teams must reflect on how to become more effective at regular intervals and adjust behavior accordingly. Now, I can't tell you how much I see this in my experience from teaching leadership where organizations, individuals, consultants, what have you, will implement a product or they'll go through a full, let's say, client experience where they're working with them. And then when it's done, they're on to the next project. They don't even bother to think about what worked, what did we do well, what didn't work, How can we then take that and move it into something different? And you might find this at your organization because you're operating so fast that you feel like you don't even have time to sit back and reflect. Well, if you're truly trying to be an agile leader, you've got to face the music. You've got to build in feedback times to figure out, is this working? Is this not working? And you've got to suspend your ego. This means that you've got to let go of, this is my best idea. And I think it's the best exactly as it is. It may not be. And that's okay because the benefit of agile is bringing everyone together to make something great. So there are multiple agile methodologies. We're going to talk about briefly two of them that are common, but know that there are many different frameworks for how people actually apply agile. And one agile methodology is called Scrum. I wish I knew, well, that Scrum, I believe, is a rugby term, but Scrum is a word that I didn't know. And I know when I first started hearing about it, I was like, oh, that sounds really confusing. Well, Scrum is just a framework for project management that prioritizes accountability, teamwork, and iterative progress to achieve a specific goal. So if we're operating from a Scrum perspective, then we have the emphasis on how can we, using our assigned roles, understanding what's expected of us, come together, focus on the right things in this certain amount of time to achieve X. So on your slide is a brief overview of what the Scrum process works or looks like. If you notice that bottom left circle that says product backlog, essentially Think of your to-do list. Think of all the things that you want to accomplish in in a strategic initiative. And then you could even take that to your individual level. What are all the things that you want to accomplish? Well, then you move into a meeting with your team and you say, I know we've got a lot, but not all things can be created equal. So what do we want to focus on? And those are your sprint planning meetings. And then you create your essential list of to-dos. All right, this is what we're going to do. We're going to do it by when. And then they go into a sprint, which is a short interval of time where they only focus on those identified to-dos. And after the sprint is complete, it goes into the finished work. And then we're talking about, we're reviewing it. What were our insights gained? How can we change going forward? Now, that's kind of the basic principle, but what's important here is that there are defined roles. Now, there's the scrum master. The scrum master is the servant leader. Now, that is the way to say that the scrum master is there to overview or to watch the team, to allow them autonomy in their own decision-making, but to be there as a support. They're setting the vision and then allowing other people to make it happen. And then there's the product owner that's responsible for what they want, as well as the team members that are going to make that happen. But the scrum master being the highest level of hierarchy, if you will. But all of those people have a unique role within the process. So if you think about your role as a leader, thinking about, hmm, do people know what's expected of them? or 
how do I want them to impact in this or interact with this strategy? What role do I want them to play? Now, the benefits of the Scrum framework is that it increases productivity. People know it's expected of them and you're focused. So obviously you have a faster speed of being able to accomplish things. You're more adaptable because you're getting real-time feedback and people are accountable. They understand what's expected of them. And ultimately you have user satisfaction. So whatever you're working on, you know that because you're addressing it, you're focusing on it, you're getting real-time feedback, you're able to incorporate that to deliver in a better way. So if you wanted to embrace, let's say, a more Scrum framework, because remember, this is more an introductory level. There are plenty of resources out there to help you actually incorporate this. But if you wanted to just start, one of the first places is with you and acting like a servant-based leader, which means that you are not there to take all the glory and say, look at me and my team. You are there to help people be the best that they can be. You are there to set the stage, to set the vision, and then say, okay, now team, I've got everything. Let's think about what we want accomplished. Now I want you to go. You have the task. Make it happen. Another tip in a Scrum framework is recognizing that we've got to communicate. One of the things that they talked about in the manifesto is that we have to have face-to-face communication. If we're trying to really improve the speed of how we do things, we've got to communicate, which means that not all things can actually be sent over email. They need to be done over face-to-face so you can have real-time dialogue. Also define rules. Make sure when you're thinking about delegating a task or you're coming up on a project that people understand what their specific role is. When they understand what their role is, then they're better able to be a self-starter. They're more confident because there's less ambiguity, which we know humans do not thrive well in ambiguity. Focus. You know, going back to the Scrum framework, if you think about it here, they might have an entire product backlog, or let's just look at it as our long-running, ever-aspirational to-do list, all the things, but then they go together and they focus. Okay, what do we really want to accomplish? Why does this matter? That's the benefit of having the meeting. We can't treat all things as equal. We have to think about, of all of the things, what do we want to be known for? What do we want to succeed at? Those are the questions you want to ask in a meeting and then determine the to-dos based off of that meeting. So it's all about focus. Now, emotional intelligence is huge because as if we're thinking about a Scrum framework, it does allow you to say, okay, here's the big picture. If I'm thinking about the individuals that are part of this process, what resources do they need? What additional support do they need? Where could there be potential bottlenecks or obstacles that I need to help address? So emotional intelligence, you have to be able to see that big picture and adapt accordingly and encourage collaboration. Hey, think about this. Maybe someone else has solved something in your organization that you have a problem with today. How can you go out and reach with them? We're talking about that cross-pollinization. How can we get other people to talk, to share information, so then we can solve problems in a faster way? And another tip is to define what done looks like. Oftentimes in a team environment, people might stop doing their roles because they think they're done based on what they think done means. Well, done to someone else might not look the same. So you need to determine what does done look like? Does done mean you've done a quality check review on something? Does done mean you followed up with someone? Everyone needs to have a shared definition of what done looks like. And by doing this, it then says, I am done. I know that I've met this set of criteria and now it can move into the next phase or now we can focus on something else. And of course, learn, learn, learn. The biggest thing about agile, if we're going to get comfortable with 
uncomfort or un- or uncomfort with uncertainty, we need to be able to learn, learn not only how to adapt in those situations to manage our own emotions, but also how to learn new techniques, new tools, new concepts. Agile, if you want to be agile, it will require you to be a lifelong learner. Now, before I go any further, I actually want to just send this poll earlier, but what is how much do you know about Agile? I just kind of want to understand our audience here. I'm going to launch a poll. Are you a beginner? Are you an intermediate? Are you an expert in Agile? Have you written a book about it? Beginner. Okay, I got a few in the beginners. Absolutely. Yeah, there's a lot to learn about Agile, and there's a lot of valuable nuggets. Okay, got great. We've got a little bit more. I'll hold this open a little bit. We've got one expert. Perfect. I'm happy to have you. I hope I represent this well. Um, All right, I'm going to go ahead and share this. If you think about it, the majority of people are still new to Agile. But what you're not new to, what you may not realize is that, again, going back to all of the characteristics, the actions that you took at the pandemic, you actually are more Agile than what you probably think. And so while it's new to you, these frameworks, and know that there are many different directions that you can go, you likely have a foundation. But the primary foundation will always be your mindset. How are you looking at it? Do you have a fixed mindset or do you have a growth mindset? So majority of people here are beginners. I welcome you. We've got a few intermediates and an expert, which is great. We know that we're all in this together. And the challenges with Agile in general is that, again, we looked at that as something that was, oh, that's for the people over there in IT. That's for our tech team. They've got that figured out. No, there's so many great principles that we can incorporate into our day-to-day, whether or not we're working in the software side of a business. So I'm going to go into the second methodology now, which is Kanban. So Kanban is a great tool, especially if you're a very visual person. I think that it helps you understand, huh, what am I supposed to do? By when am I supposed to do it? Where are their bottlenecks? So on and so forth. Kanban is an agile tool, which uses a shared visual workboard to break down complex projects into manageable chunks and track progress. So one potential Kanban board might look like this. And keep in mind, if you Googled Kanban board, you would likely find so many different ones, but the Kanban board. So you see multiple columns. That's a big piece of the framework. We're thinking about what do we want to accomplish? And then it goes into a range of, okay, what are all the actions required to accomplish that, which is our requested. And then we move them into the next phase phase, which is in progress. Now, what you may notice at the top of your screen is the number three and the arrow that says whip limit. Now, whip means works in, works in progress. So essentially the things that need to be done. Why do they have a limit? Well, if you over, if you say, well, this needs to be done, 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 then you might be putting too much on your people. They're not going to be as productive. They're spreading their resources everywhere because they don't have all the time. So the limits are there to help you focus. And those little cards, those are the ca- those are the tests. Those are what we need to accomplish. And Kanban can come in a variety of ways. Organizations' Kanban boards look different. Some of them do them virtually. If you're face-to-face, maybe you have a big working Kanban wipe board. But it's essentially a place where everyone can come to say, okay, what's going on? What's everyone working on? Or what is our focus for the week? Where are we in progress in the queue? And then when is it done? So the great thing is, is that when you shift things through those columns, one thing can't come in until something goes up. So it forces you to really focus on what you want accomplished instead of saying, I want this and I want this and I want this, when you may not have visibility or resources into who could actually accomplish that. 
This is another just sample Kanban board that you could do. Think about it in a more simple way. Here are your to-dos. You write them on different colored post-its. Then once you're ready to work on them, you move them into the in-progress. And then as you're working on them, you've complete, you go to done. Other things that they add into Kanban boards are also stops. Those are points where hey, I've had something to do, but I'm blocked. There's maybe I need this or I need that and I can't move forward. But again, these are just overall tools that you can use to give those visual snapshots to what you're doing. The bonus, when you share this with your team, it helps people understand maybe the roles, expectations, and also the workload of your peers. So if you see, hey, someone's got a really busy week right now based on this, maybe I won't be so frustrated if they don't instantly respond to my message. You know, those are just great ways to help us better connect with each other. So benefits of Kanban are many. It's flexible. You can adjust that. You can adjust your whip. You can adjust what you focus on. And it's all about continuous delivery. We want to make sure that we are taking action that's going to yield results. So it increases productivity. It allows us to focus because we can't just over inundate that with works in progress. Not everything can be equal. So if you think about your role as a leader, how can you prioritize in a different way to make sure it's very clear what's important to you, the team, the organization, so on and so forth. Kanban also makes you more efficient. Again, you're not wasting time on the wrong thing. So then you're saving time. So if you want to try and incorporate a little bit of Kanban, and again, I would encourage you to take this one step further and learn more about Kanban, think about your to-dos. And then really prioritize those to-dos. What ones are most important? What ones are essential? Maybe there's some that are important because they're urgent, but maybe some are important for a longer running change. And really be critical about what you're allowing to go into the workload. Anyone ever suffer from initiative fatigue? Initiative fatigue, I wish I could see that, where essentially your boss might be saying, I want you to do this, but wait, let's also do this. And then let's also do that. And let's also do that. And all of a sudden you have an employee that's like, I don't know, I might sleep at my desk or I might need coffee. No, when we actually really are forced to prioritize, when we truly identify the things that are going to be the most value added, you can reduce stress and anxiety for your employees. And you can also improve their confidence because they know what's expected of them and they feel like they have a reasonable amount of time or resources to be able to accomplish a task successfully. If you give them too much, they may not be able to produce in the way that they want to, which could create disengagement. So, other tips. Think about your to-dos. And then if you lay them out in a visual perspective, where are their bottlenecks? What processes might be taking a little bit longer than what you thought that you could maybe look at and revisit and figure out how you could save some time? Or what other person do you need to get involved to make sure that you can reduce the bottleneck? Another thing, and I said this multiple times within Kanban, is prioritize, 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 prioritize. You cannot make everything the same. I know that there is so much opportunity. There is absolutely so much opportunity. But we all know the phrase paralysis by analysis. We don't take any action when we see all the actions to take. So we want to make sure that we're very clear and that we limit our work in progress. And at the end, ultimately analyzing our workflow. What works? What doesn't work? How can we continue to get better? Everything in Kanban or in Agile is iterative. We're not just saying that because we came up with this once, that's a, it's one and done, we've got it all figured out. No, we are embracing change and saying, how can we continue to make this better for our employees, for our customers, for anyone that we serve? While Scrum and Kanban are both popular tools to help organizations become more agile, 
it's important to remember that they're not the only way to build an agile team. There are other methodologies out there. And the other thing to keep in note is that you don't necessarily want to say, I am all in and we only do Kanban or we only do Scrum. Because there are then going to be different situations, different scenarios that one of those approaches may not be the most effective. So we're not saying to use this approach and that is your end-all be-all because you have to have that growth mindset where you're always changing. At the heart of an agile organization is leadership that removes barriers to success, increases employee independence, trust, and personal accountability. When we think about one of the focuses of Agile, it is really to be able to clear those obstacles, reduce that red tape, so people can do what we need them to do. And when we do that, we're giving them a sense of autonomy. We're giving them a sense of employee independence. Hey, I do get to have that impact. I am connected to the big picture. I see where I produce value. And when you give people that autonomy, you're building trust with them. You say, I trust that you can do this specific task, or I know that if I give you this assignment, that you're going to figure out great ways to solve this. Think about the wonders that could have on your team if you gave people the flexibility and opportunity to just be the best that they could be. That is one of the benefits of Agile, but it really requires servant-based leadership. That means the hands-off. It can't always be well, this is the way that I've done it and it's the best way. So it's going to require some of you to just pull back and say, okay, maybe I can learn something from this. So how how can leaders embrace agile? How can you essentially become more agile? You don't have to develop a software, but you can take all these characteristics and think about how you could maybe modify your own behavior or your daily tasks to be better. So number one, create stability to encourage agility. Number two, focus on clear communications. Three, make conflict more constructive. This is going to require you people that might run from conflict to say, okay, conflict maybe isn't that bad. Maybe there's some good that can come from it. Learn from our failures. Allocate resources effectively and embrace lifelong learning. Now we're going to go into each of these. So how do you create stability to encourage agility? Well, one of the things that you need to do is create stability, which means psychological safety. There's got to be consistency there. People have to know what's expected of them. There's got to be a clear target. They can't feel like there is going to, there are going to be consequences if they try something new that is going to try to serve or solve a challenge, we need to make sure that people feel safe and comfortable in the environment that they work on, work in. The next piece is to focus on resilience. Resilience, especially with the pandemic, is an essential requirement of all the leaders in our organizations. We need them to be able to say, okay, if this happens, we can get through it. If there's a no, I can find another way. If that was shut down, we can figure out an alternate route. We want people or leaders that feel empowered to continue to persevere. And that perseverance, that belief that, okay, we can make things better just because it didn't work out is what's ultimately going to achieve the right result for your organization. To create stability, you also need to set clear priorities and goals. That means that you can't just say, these are all the things that I want to accomplish. No, you need to try and look at one, two, three. What are the top three things that you want of your team, of your organization? And this is what I want you to focus on. You cannot be everything to everyone. Communicate frequently. Keep people on the same page. I know that in this remote life that there are some people that are like, out of sight, out of mind. I mean, I know I have employees out there. I haven't even seen them in a virtual camera in a long time. You need to communicate and best if you can try and do face-to-face to to figure out real time what's going on for certain challenges. 
know what's appropriate to send over email and know what needs to be conducted over a meeting. That is an important distinction for you. If it's something that's more technical, if it's something that could be potentially confusing, you need to pick up the phone, have a phone call, have a conversation to make sure that they're all on the same plate, same page. And of course, establish trust, show people that you trust them, that you trust in their abilities and their capabilities and be consistent. If you really want to create stability on your team, you actually need to, and this comes down to emotional intelligence. You need to be a consistent leader. You need to consistently manage your emotions. You need to be consistent when you manage, maybe when something doesn't go right, you need to be consistent in how you communicate. That consistency is going to help trust or help you build trust as well as a feeling of stability. Number two is to focus on clear communications. You want to ensure that everyone understands the vision. We're not just saying, well, us, we had that meeting at last Monday. We talked about this strategy. I know that we talked about this for like a five-hour working session. And then I'm going to come down to the team and just say, yeah, that's what we want. Give them insight into the vision. What are you trying to accomplish? Why is that vision important? Too often we just give tasks and we can't necessarily live in that way in Agile. You want to share the vision and allow people to maybe find creative solutions to help you get there and connect the dots. So that goes with the same thing. Make sure that people understand how what they're doing, what you're asking them to do, or their or how their role is actually helping you move forward. You want to connect the dots for everyone. This is especially true for your younger employees that might be new to your organization. You want to make sure they understand what's going on instead of them just being more tactical and looking at a small piece of their role. If they have more autonomy and they you are more inclusive in their conversation, you might find some solutions that you had no idea that were there because you overlooked them based on your own role. Embrace face-to-face communication and create regular check-ins and opportunities for feedback. I'm talking about opportunities where at the end of a project or after you kicked off a big proposal, what worked, what didn't work. Don't just move on to the next because you feel like you don't have time. The faster that you try and move on to the next, the more that you're just going to likely spend time trying to fix the same problem, have the same conversation when you already knew it was going to be a problem and you could have solved it before. So make sure that you're taking that feedback and actually leveraging it so you can save time down the road. We're talking about short-term pain for long-term gain. As a rule of thumb, for every user who tells you about a problem, there will be between 10 and 100 other users who've experienced the same problem and didn't think to get in touch. We as leaders, if we truly want to be agile, have to facilitate conversations and relationships between others. It will help us solve our problems faster. Make conflict more constructive. Yes. So I'm talking to the person that might be the avoider that sees conflict and is like, how do I get out of here? Can I, can they see me? I'm just going to look at my phone. I won't, this is awkward. Or, you know, that person that might be like, well, this was my idea and I really liked my idea and I think this is going to work. No, if we're thinking about conflict and if we're actually, because it's going to happen, no matter what type of process you do as a leader, we need to also have a mindset that says, yeah, I can handle it. And that's the embracer mindset. You see conflict and you say, okay, great. This, these are differing points of view. This is new feedback. You look at it as a blessing because it's truly something that's going to help you improve a customer experience or solve a potential organizational challenge. Not all conflict is bad. We know that conflict is necessary to move us forward. However, if you want to think about how conflict is handled on your team, you have to think about how you manage conflict as a leader. So starting with that embracer mindset, 
mindset. Conflict is going to happen, but how do we want to leverage it? How do we want to use it? How do we want to resolve it? And other ways to make conflict more constructive, respect differences and approaches. Now, for truly thinking about agile, that means that there's not a fixed way. Perfection basically can't exist in agile because there's no definitive endpoint. It's all about continuous improvement. So we need to respect differences and approaches. We need to say, oh, maybe you're, maybe my approach isn't the best approach. Maybe that's a good approach. Hey, I wonder what they have to say. So using conflict as an opportunity to just hear different voices that may not always have that same opportunity to contribute. Focus on the collective outcome. It's not a me. It's a we. How do we make sure that everyone feels that they're working towards that same shared vision? And when you do get everyone around the same collective outcome, this is what we're here to do, then it's easier to gain consensus. Hey, well, if we're trying to solve this problem, then maybe this is what we have to do, which makes it easier to reduce the conflict because everyone is bought in. Most importantly, let go of ego, let go of ego. There's no place for it. It's not about you being the greatest person on your team. It's not about you being the greatest leader. It is about the collective team an organization coming together to build off of each other's ideas to be the best that they can be and leverage that power of diversity. We know there's so many value or so many benefits to having diverse teams and to having an inclusive culture. And this is really what you want to do. If you're thinking about agile, it is asking that person that's quiet to share their contribution. It is inviting someone else to the table that doesn't normally get a seat. You want to leverage the power of diversity because these voices will help you create greater products, processes, and so on and so forth. Learn from your failures. Again, this one is often overlooked because people are so quickly moving on to the next thing. They're caught up on the next that they don't even have to take, take the time to learn from the failures, which means that they're going to repeat them again. Hopefully not, but they could. Uh, so if you really want to learn from failures and if you want to help your team become more agile and learn from their failures, one of the things that you have to do is avoid assigning blame. Maybe you create team rules that when conflict happens that, hey, We're not about blaming. We're talking about the solution at hand. We're not going personal. We're not saying, you know what, Jonathan, you really, you didn't do this in the process. Absolutely not. We're not doing that because that's not productive. It's just going to cause more lag in your time. It's going to cause more friction between the team and it's going to get you further away from your goal. So avoid, uh, avoid assigning blame. Then optimize failure. Hey, it's not a matter of whether or not you are going to fail. You are absolutely going to fail. I'm going to fail. We are all going to make mistakes. However, we can't live there. We have to figure out how to quickly learn from our failures. Fail fast. What can you take from it? And then move on to the next. And how can you improve in the future? You can't live in your failures. You can't bring all that baggage from the tasks that didn't work, from that project that didn't go as planned. You've got to just take the learnings from it with you and keep moving. And frame failure as an opportunity to reflect and learn. We talked about this in past webinars, framestorming. What are the benefits of this? How can I look at this as an opportunity? Oh, well, maybe by this failure, I see a different way that we can serve our customer. Or maybe by this failure, I see a different way I can communicate with my team. Failure isn't bad. There are so many learnings of failure, but we sometimes just miss them because we're either, again, moving too fast, or sometimes we just don't like to admit we failed. And when we do that, then we're not learning. We're not able to change our behavior to make sure that it can be different in the future. 
And most importantly, embrace change. Failure is going to happen regardless of whether you want it to or not, but you do have to embrace the fact that change is going to happen. One of my favorite quotes is comfort should scare you. When you live in a place of comfort, well, that's when you become more risk averse. You're not as tolerant to any type of change or disruption. And we know that in today's climate, whether it's affected by tech or just the fact of globalization or the pandemic, change is the one constant. And we as leaders need to get better at managing how we respond to change. Welcome it. And create a safe space for experimentation and creative thought. Make sure that you're removing the fear of failure. Hey, I'm not going to fire you if you get this wrong. I'm going to give you a challenge. I want you to see what you can come up with and reward them for that. Instead of making them feel, well, if you don't get this right, it's game over for you. No, you need to give them a safe space to be able to experiment and provide honest feedback. Honest feedback about what works in a product, a process, maybe even a communication style. This requires you to go back to embrace failure, having that embracer mindset hey, we've got to have this conversation. If we have this difficult conversation, then we're likely going to be better instead of having an undercurrent of maybe inefficiencies or frustrations that I'm not sharing. We need to provide honest feedback to make sure that we are not going to repeat that same failure in the, fa- or in the future. And then identify opportunities that's going to move the team forward. What can you do differently now? You could look at these as aha moments. Maybe you create a list of aha moments. What did we gain? Oh yeah, I learned that we could do this a lot quicker. Oh, I learned that this personality style prefers this when we talk to them. So maybe that's how you'll want to present your information. What are the aha moments? Create aha moments. Maybe you do it on a Friday where you're like, let's talk about our aha moments for the week. What insights did you gain? (laughs) Allocate resources effectively strategically allocate resources. Now, going back to the Kanban methodologies that we even talked about, Scrum and Kanban both require you to prioritize, to focus, to say, okay, not all things are created equal. And these are truly the things that are going to have the biggest impact on our bottom line or on solving this challenge. And so this is what we're going to focus on. We're not going to say all things are equal because then we're just dividing our resources in terms of employees' time, in terms of the financial component. So we need to strategically allocate resources and make sure that they are connected to the big picture, that they have a why. This is why we're doing it. Now, the why is important, obviously, for solving the challenge, but the why is also important for the employee to understand because it gives them motivation, it gives them competence, and it gives them that sense of meaning. And if you want to allocate resources effectively, you also need to consider how time is spent. Are there recur meetings that just you know, you feel like you have them, but they're not necessarily the most productive or you just have them because they're standing in on your calendar. Well, maybe it's time to reconsider whether or not that's worth it. Maybe you shorten your meetings. Maybe you make them more frequent. We'll talk more about some solutions at the end of this webinar. Delegate and empower. When we talk about allocating resources effectively, you are a resource. And you as a leader, if you are going to do great things, you can't do it all either. So you've got to prioritize and think, what do I want to accomplish? Okay, and if I want to accomplish that, what needs to go off of my plate? Who can I delegate that to? Delegation is such an amazing way to build the competence of your team, to free up your time so you can produce more value or contribute in a way that maybe is more meaningful for you. But leverage the power of delegation and empower people to have their own sense of autonomy and ownership. The more that they have that, the more engaged they'll be. And embrace testing. You don't have to have an idea and then say, all right, well, we're just going to push it through because we had this idea. Absolutely not. If we're thinking about agile, it's 
We're not believing that we have it right the first time. There's no such thing as perfection. Those are the things that we know to be true. We are always going to change. And testing or pilot groups are just great ways to slow down before you speed up and then hit that accelerator pedal and drive over the cliff unintentionally. So we want to make sure that we're using testing is what we're doing right. And reduce red tape. People might spend a lot of time documenting something or having to dot these I's and check these T's. And do does that really matter? Maybe it mattered earlier in the day or earlier. Maybe it mattered years ago in the business, but does it still matter today? It requires you to ask those tough questions as a leader. Does this make sense? If it doesn't make sense, maybe it's time to remove that red tape so you can free up someone's time and ability to focus and solve that challenge. And also make your team accountable. By doing things like a Kanban board, that's a visual way that you can see that they're accountable or even adopting the scrum. There are so many different ways, but make sure that once you have connected them to the big picture, you know that they have their assigned tasks, that you are then have a way to measure it. What are key performance indicators or KPIs or milestones that you can put into place that people are working towards so you can help their accountability? And last, but certainly not least, if you want to be a more agile leader, if you really want to show up in a way and solve problems differently and make a greater impact, you have to embrace lifelong learning. Now, again, this goes against the notion of perfection. Hey, I've I've mastered this. I am great at this. And this means that you can't have that ego. Like, I'm so good at this. Absolutely not. You can be good at that. And then tomorrow, what you're good at may not even matter. So you've got to keep working to get better. It's not about you. It's about how can I continue to learn new things, to develop people in a different way. So it requires us to have a growth mindset, that belief that things can change. We're not just here victims of circumstance. We absolutely can make an impact. And we have to challenge the status quo just because something's been done once or it was done that way doesn't mean it's the way that we need to continue to do it. So we need to practice curiosity. Huh? I wonder what would be different if we did that. I wonder, oh, I see something really great that they're doing over there. I wonder how we would do that. And even in lifelong learning, in terms of getting feedback, we talked about the feedback and reflection part of agile and how that's so important. But even if you think about your standard meetings or one-on-ones, If you came to those with a place of curiosity instead of a, why didn't you do this? If you truly said, I wonder what came up for them. Maybe you would uncover a new challenge or bottleneck in your process that you could solve. So embrace curiosity. And of course, prioritize your own professional development. We can become so immersed in our day-to-day that we forget that, hey, life is happening. Oh my gosh, we can do other things because we use the excuse of time. And while I can understand that we don't have time to do all things, what we want to do is still prioritize us. What are we doing to make sure that we can be the best that we can be? Thinking of professional development as essentially the gas for a car. We're the car and the professional development is the gas. We need to continue to fuel up to make sure that our car can go the extra mile. I just came up with that (laughs) or on the spot. I know that one's been around, but didn't plan on saying that. But we do need to make sure that we are fueling ourselves, fueling our curiosity, fueling the, you know, and challenging ourselves. So to become more agile, leaders must find obstacles to performance and remove them, facilitate connection among employees and create psychological safety and room for failure. So one of the key things here is as a leader, Are there any obstacles that someone is facing in your team that you can remove? Again, maybe it is the red tape. Maybe it's just a funky process that needs to be evolved. 
what are the things that you can do to essentially make it easier for people to go about and be as successful as they can be? Or how can you make sure that you're facilitating connection among your employees, helping them learn from each other? One of my favorite quotes is, every person you meet is your teacher and your student. How can you create that mindset within your team where everyone says, oh, I wonder what that department did, or I wonder what he did? How can we learn from each other instead of just thinking that we have to do it alone? And we want to create psychological safety and room for failure. Failure is inevitable, but we don't have to live in failure. You just have to learn how to recover from failure faster than before. So tools to make a more agile team. And these are just some high-level ways that you could potentially incorporate more agile practices. Again, I'd recommend you to research more about agile. Think about Kanban because there are a tremendous amount of resources out there that can help you go and take this and implement it one step further than what we're covering today as it's very introductory. So tools to make a more agile team, daily huddles. Maybe instead of your standing weekly meeting where everyone just kind of jokes around and talks about the weekend or doesn't really, isn't really productive, maybe you give them their time back and maybe you have a few 15-minute huddles every morning where you say, okay, this is what you're going to do. This is what you're doing. Here's your brief status update. All right, good. Good to go. Have a great day. You've got this. In those brief meetings, it allows you as a leader to quickly uncover any type of challenges or obstacles so you can remove them. And it just allows everyone to, again, get visibility into what everyone else is doing. But the key here is that they're short and succinct. You cannot call it a daily huddle if it just ends up being an hour-long meeting. These are meant to be very quick or very quick information exchanges for you to identify, to share, to learn, and grow. So not something that's long. Also, focus on recognition. Make sure that people understand how what they do is connected to the big picture and why you need them. You need to recognize them, whether that's in a meeting or whether that's in an email or whether that's with a gift. You need to tell people why they matter because to truly be agile, you need confident people that feel that they're independent, that they can contribute, that you trust them. And recognition is one of the ways that you can build that. Also, if you want a more agile team, consider looking at your hiring practices. Are you looking for different personalities that could complement the team? Are personalities even part of what you're looking at? What skills do you need to be able to move forward in the future? Are those represented on your current team? So being intentional about your hiring, making sure that you have the right fit. If you talk about a practice like Scrum, where you really are working independently with groups of people, you need them to all figure out how to work together. So that's where it's so much more important to be able to understand the styles of people. Embrace Kanban boards. Thinking about Kanban boards, what are you trying to accomplish? There are plenty of digital resources or Kanban boards out there. You could put that on a big whiteboard in your office or a big white piece of paper and use Post-its to move them through the columns. You could just go on and download an app. Also using progress dashboards. That's a project management tool, but progress dashboards are essentially little cues where you can see, okay, are we at 40% 40% complete, 50%, 60%. When we have those type of visual cues, it can A, help people understand how we're performing. So you as a leader can see that. But B, if you're thinking about, or if you have a process that's dependent on one person's work before the next can begin, when you have those progress dashboards, it allows people to anticipate that and manage their time better. And of course, there's digital time tracking tools because in Agile, a big piece of that is understanding where does our time go? Is our time spent on our phones? Is our time spent wasted in meetings? Is our time spent trying to figure out what we're supposed to do? 
We want to figure out how we're using our time so we can either remove those bottlenecks or those inefficiencies, the things that aren't as productive. So you could use apps such as Hours or Timely or Top Tracker. And there's also a project management tool called or called Trello or Asana. Now, those are great resources for teams if you haven't used Asana. That allows you to have kind of a team view, a global view of what everyone is doing. Oh, this is what Amy is going to be doing. And then Christian's going to be doing this. It, it's just a snapshot that allows us to see that. And it's a bonus if you're thinking about newer employees as they're trying to get acclimated into your team. One of these tools is a great way for them to get insight into how your team functions. Now, there is many, there are many things um, that you could look at. Another resource that I've really been actively listening to is a podcast called Agile for Humans. And I think that this host does a great job of talking about how we can incorporate Agile into leadership. Uh, so it's something that I would definitely recommend you checking out, but there are plenty of Agile podcasts out there. The whole goal is to keep learning. Our greatest weakness lies in giving up. The most certain way to succeed is always to try just one more time. I thank you so much for joining this webinar, and I hope that you left this today knowing that if you're stuck in a problem, it doesn't mean to give up. It just means what's another way to look at it? How can you be more agile? Agile requires resilient leaders. Giving up is the opposite of resiliency. We've got to try one more time. We've got to look at it in a different way. I hope that by attending this webinar today, you've gained some tools, insights, or just some new ways of th thinking about how you could help your team, yourself, be more productive and more agile. Now, if you enjoyed today's webinars, please stay connected with us at Crestcom. Next month's webinar topic is emotional intelligence. We would love to have you there. Also, connect with us, subscribe to the Leadership Habit Podcast. There, we interview a variety of subject matter experts and thought leaders all around the topic of leadership. And of course, if you are interested, please reach out to us. We would love to come into your organization and offer a leadership workshop. It's a two-hour leadership workshop, and we cover things like communication, how to maintain our customers. We're actually looking at some agile practices. So if you're interested in that, follow up with us, crosscom.com. We definitely want to offer that to you. I'm Jen Dewell, and I am so happy to have you here today, and I hope that you gain something valuable. Thank you for investing in yourself today, and I hope to see you in November for our Emotional Intelligence webinar. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of the Leadership Habit Podcast. I hope you enjoyed today's webinar all about agile leadership, and I hope that you've taken something from it that you can use right away to bring back to your team to help make you more efficient and more productive. If you like this week's episode of the Leadership Habit Podcast, feel free to share it with your friends or leave us a review on your favorite podcast streaming service.